0: This episode of Shootcast is brought to you by Modus Operandi Brewing, based in Monavale on Sydney's Northern Beaches, one of Australia's best craft brewers. Be sure to check the guys out online or why not visit the brewery. Thank you to Modus for your support of the show. Well, welcome back. Uh, It's been a while since we last recorded. Uh, Unfortunately, in that time, uh, the competition has uh, fallen over. Unfortunately, as everything that's happening in New South Wales... uh, not much life happening around the state, unfortunately. No social variety, you would say. Uh, there is no rugby, there is no pub. Uh, it's very depressing times uh, for most of us out there in the club rugby scene. But uh, I was pretty bored, so I thought I'd call up uh, my comrades in Cashow and Swaney to see how they're going. Um, there's actually plenty happening in the shoot shield space. Uh, been a lot of developments since the season's come to its finality. There's some frame rate for 2022 to discuss. A uh, lot's happening um, in the pro game too, with obviously Darren Coleman's appointment with the Waratahs. So, some exciting things happening there and some test footy. Um, so, a bit to chat about. Hope everyone's well. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to Shootcast. <laughs> Welcome to Shootcast, uh, episode 42, so very, very tired, so very, very bored. We're all still <laughs> locked down. Uh, since we last talked, the season has been cancelled as we feared it would, uh, but it's lovely to return to the show. Uh, got my great mates on the other line, which I haven't talked to in a long time. I feel a little bit of uh, part of me has been missing. I've got Casho and Sweeney on the line. Casho, <laughs> we'll start with you, mate. Have you had AstraZeneca? You are in that bracket that we're concerned about. Um, just making sure you're good to go and join society at some stage this year. Tomorrow
1: morning at nine am at uh, at a uh, GP's clinic at Balgowlah, just on Sydney Road. There, I'm going to have my my second jab, so uh, I fully subscribed at that point in time. So I'm absolutely ready for anything after that. So we'll, we'll see where that leads to.
0: Beautiful. And, uh, Sweeney, mate, uh, hanging in there, uh, there's been a bit happening on uh, Stan Sport, uh, but plenty more about to kick off.
2: Yeah, that's right, mate. i tell you what, the goalposts have moved that many times. It's oh, been yeah. um, very uh, challenging to to keep up with it all, um, but we're ready to pull the trigger. Bledisloe 3 this weekend at Optus Stadium in Perth, and that'll be live on Nine and stand sport, and then, uh, and yeah, and mate, the the also the the Brisbane club rugby grand finals on this weekend that's that's um continued up there in uh in Queensland as well. So, um, you know, that's a that's a nice little positive as well. I don't know if anyone caught the the two semi finals on the weekend up there in the hospitals, belters, absolute belters two cracking games of rugby. I was sad my uh, my brethren the, the brothers rugby club got knocked out uh, by university the old foe uh on the Saturday but then on Sunday GPS and West's oh what a pulsating semi-final that was. So look it's it's been all happening there's been plenty going on. I'm also uh half vaccinated. Uh, I've got the uh the AstraZeneca in the arm, and uh, my five G reception is going through the roof, so that's good. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, homeschooling—it's—it's uh, it's, as well as doing the job. It's—it's it's just a barrel of laughs.
1: <laughs>, and, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 Swain, one of the things about Sunday is—is is you can watch the uh, if this is correct, the Hospitals Cup Grand Final leading into the Bledisloe Cup, so. Father's
2: Day sorted. So, oh, absolutely up. for all the dads out there, if you uh, if you are pretty keen to um, just put the feet up and take full advantage of privileges that Father's Day uh, have to offer, it is a, an afternoon on the couch from I think it's one pm. You've got um, the Hospitals Cup up there at Suncorp Stadium, and then that leads straight into uh, a four pm kickoff three. Uh, quarter past three on air uh, on Stan Sport, um, and uh, for the Blederslow it's brilliant. It's mm. it's a cracking afternoon for it.
0: There's nothing like a good uh, wholesome Father's Day by kicking your wife and children out of the house for two hours while you can watch the footy in peace.
2: The, the fantastic thing is, Burjo, is I actually have to to work on it in the production side of things, so I can get up and have get my breakfast in bed. In the morning, and then say see you later for the day.
0: <laughs> oh, lucky man. So, so hang on. It is in Perth. I'm confused. I thought we was going to Queensland. So it's back in Perth. It's back on. Is it?
2: Yeah, that's right. So Optus Stadium for the Bledisloe, uh in yeah. Perth. They've it, renamed uh, that's... it the
0: McGowan Cup. The McGowan Cup, mate.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, it's he, he's only let uh, you know fifty odd yeah. people into the state in the last uh, month, and they're all got to do with rugby. Um, so. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's going to be a good afternoon though.
0: Yeah, Sweeney, where are we where are we sitting on our wallabies, mates? Uh, obviously, the annual level of optimism has come, and uh, we've been quietly humbled again, more so in the in the second test of the series. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's we're still trying to see what this new version of Dave Rennie's team looks like. I think we're going to have a a good chance on uh, on the weekend with the All Blacks looking at rotation. Although you rotate Richie Moana out and put Bowden Barrett, in, there's no real uh, respite is there for the Wallabies?
2: Well, that that's exactly right. Uh, you know, it's probably the Wallabies' best chance. Um, you know, with with the rotation, but you're absolutely right. You you leave out Sam White you put in Patrick Tupolatu, who's you know brilliant. Yeah. You you leave out Richie Moana, put in Bowden Barrett, and you you leave out Aaron Smith and put in TJ Perinara. You know, like it's, yeah. it's all world class everywhere you look. Um, you know, having said that, Wallabies love playing at Optus Stadium. They've played there once before in a pulsating game. It was brilliant uh, and um, got the victory there as well, albeit um, with a, a red card to the All Blacks pretty early in that game. But it yeah... It, I do think that, um, you know, the, they're going to see find some challenges along the way the, for the rest of the year, the Wallabies, um, you know, that they're going to have to find a way to beat the Springboks, who have been a really tough nut to crack, mm. having just won the Lions series and then beaten Argentina pretty comfortably the last couple of times they've played, yep. um, and, and then take on Argentina, who, um, you know, they, we saw them beat the All Blacks last year, but then they, they're almost a the new France-Argentina, aren't they, um, in terms yep. of, you know, you just never know what type of team's going to turn up on any given day. Um, but, yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely starting. It, it's time to get some results for Dave Rennie. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these young guys have now been exposed to, you know, 10 tests of, of rugby. Um, and And so, you know, that's not a heck of a lot. I understand that but it's, it's enough to, to know what is required to step up in the test arena and, uh, and I think, yeah, we're going to have to start seeing the, the fruits of, um, you know, all the, there's been a lot of talk, put it that way, and they need to start walking the walk a little bit. Mm. And,
1: and, and Swanny, just sort of throwing in there, what the Wallabies have had to go through is I think they've played, uh, this will be the seventh game where they played New Zealand un, un, under the reign of uh, of Dave Redding. so it's it, it's an area that no other nation in the world has to has, has to sort of cope with. It's this this rugby championship that we're the, the phase we're going into in Queensland is 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 a rugby World Cup on steroids. To be perfectly honest, you know you've got mm-hmm. uh, defending champions, uh, you know like a. A, a real smoky side in argentina and uh and, and and then you've got the all Blacks. so it's uh it's it's a real 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 hard ass to uh continually win to be perfectly honest you know you're not uh you, you you know you're not uh there's there's no gimme games throughout a rugby championship and that's uh that's that's the walk that
2: Dave Rennie's going to walk, I suppose, isn't it? Well, that's yeah, that's right. This is this is the this is what we kind of hoped for last year, wasn't it? Um, Double header test matches—you just never see that. You probably never see it again. Um, you know, it's it's so brilliant that uh, we get to see at the same venue for, of you know, the top top ten play, teams in the world um, play against each other. Uh, you know. If you if you're buying tickets to go to Bus to SunCorp to Townsville, um, you know you, you're in for a real treat because uh, it's it's going to be bang for buck big time, um, going and watching these games.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think it's going to be a, a great watch. Obviously, we're all desperate for content uh, sitting in our bum here in New South Wales, particularly. Uh, but I think what you said there, Cash, has it's been an ongoing discussion point for you know, the strength of Australian rugby is always being, have to be compared to the All Blacks given the frequency we play them, especially in the last couple of years. You know, we play them more than any any nation on earth. I think there's a stat out there, uh, no team's lost the All Blacks more in the world, no team's beat them more. So we have that unfortunate uh, geography that, that we have to deal with. But you ask any professional coach they all want to keep taking on the best but uh it is um it is what it is and i i know now they've revamped the super rugby for for next year um i'm not too particular on the details but obviously we're going to get the all the kiwi sides all the australian sides and pacific uh, sides involved um what's your takeaway from that that casho the the new format of the super rugby is it going to be enough to to bring back some of the interest into the competition
1: Oh, well, listen! Uh, I've actually written a column for the uh, for the program in uh, in Perth on the weekend, which will be online fairly soon. and And, and I talk about uh, Albert Einstein's uh, definition of in, of insanity, and that's to mm. do keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And that's what Super Rugby's been over the past couple of years. It's been uh, it's been very dull. It's been uh, you know very predictable. Yeah. Uh, probably here in New South Wales, not too much to get behind. You know, the Waratahs uh, didn't win a game throughout uh, 2021 and uh, haven't shown too much promise at uh, at any stage uh, over the past couple of years. But, uh, yeah, listen, I I, I think it's uh, fantastic. You know, they've probably culled out uh, the South African content, which mm. which, which they have, uh, and it's t- probably taken out a, a, a lot of the deadwood there and... Uh, uh, one of the things uh, that's, that's going to be good is every game is going to mean something. Uh, you, you've got to start the season well. It's the old traditional Super 12. It's a sprint to the finals and then just sort of like see what happens from there. So overall, it's it's a great thing. We had to do something for uh, both Moana Pacifica and also the Fijian Drua, and I, I, I think that's given them the opportunity a lot of backing there from uh, from World Rugby, and also a lot of backing there from uh, from the Department of uh, Foreign Affairs for the Fijian drill people. So, uh, listen, it's um, it's going to be it's going to be quite quite a good uh, competition, I think. Starts on February 18th, so we'll see where it goes.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's it is going to be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Obviously, it would be nice to see if we can get Japan involved in a Super Rugby version and sometime in the future. I think that's probably something they're looking at, um, you know, further down the track. But uh, I was listening to Darren Coleman give a press conference yesterday out of Waratahs HQ, and some of the things that are that are happening there. He's obviously just just started in the job, but. Um, his initial reaction to the to the competition was a good one, although he sort of raised his eyebrows at the eight-team finals copy. We prefer it was probably a little smaller, but it may work into his hands uh, in this first uh, year or so, Swaney.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I've been talking to a couple of the staff there at the Waratahs over the last couple of weeks, and um, yeah, whilst eight teams in a 12-team competition mm. for a final series is a little bit ridiculous, I think is, that... Uh, yeah. I think, it, I think it could uh, certainly play into the hands uh, of the Waratahs in a positive way. And, you know, I don't think the Waratahs will ever have a year as bad as they did this year. So, um, you know, that's that's a good thing. I I really do like the look of this new competition. Um, you know, as you said, it'd be nice to see if we can include Japan. Uh, you know, it's, Pacific, it's Super Rugby Pacific, so you could, you know, Arguably, I know that the the USA is a frontier that Super Rugby and and Sanzar have certainly um, been looking at trying to conquer at some point. So, you know, maybe base a Super Rugby team in LA one day and there Mm. you've got a a full, you know, a full um, Super Rugby Pacific there or even Hawaii. How good would Hawaii be for a (laughs) a Super Rugby um, base for a USA team? But... I digress. I, I, I do. Um, I do like the the look of it. Um, you know, uh, twelve. The old Super Twelve back into it. Remember mm-hmm. the old ads back in the day. Uh, the old Super Twelve ads with "Ain't seen nothing yet." The Back When well, Turner did, Overdrive it, song. How good you was that? Get, you're going um, back
0: now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ninety seven, ninety eight. I reckon for that one.
0: Um, what, about the, what about Razzle Dazzle? Remember those ones? Razzle Dazzle them. Yeah, that, <laughs> mate, Takiri flick pass. That was one of the greats. I have to get that one
2: up. Oh, absolutely brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, um, and look, it's it's fantastic result for uh, for uh, you know my employer Nine and Stan as well in terms yep. of um, you know having having you know oodles of content throughout the weekend, um, you know co- constant content that we're able to, uh, and and it all means something as Casho said.
0: Yeah, it'll certainly keep you busy, Sweeney. Let's talk a little bit about DC at the Waratahs, which is not a great deal to talk about, but I know he has hit the ground running. You'll um, be across this cash. I know DC, one of the first uh, ports of business was to address all the Shoot Shield coaches, which he did via Zoom this week uh, and a bit of a coaches meeting. He's also uh, looking at a trial match for his squad against maybe a Shoot Shield um, all-star side. So already DC may be recognising um, the importance of um, integrating the you know the Sydney rugby fraternity um, into the professional setup.
1: Yeah, yeah. Listen, a, a very interesting move by uh, by DC. Obviously, uh, he knows where he's come from, and uh, we actually wrote the uh, story exclusively on uh, on the Rugby News website about uh, December eleven and December eighteen are some of the uh, are some of the dates that they're uh, fiddling around with and uh, looking around for a venue, and uh, obviously. COVID's got to be sorted out before they can make any sort of solid decisions, but uh, they want to give the, uh, the Shoot Shield All-Stars some form of preparation before they sort of head into uh, a, a couple of games. And obviously uh, we spoke of that Super Rugby competition being, uh, being very much a sprint. Well, uh, getting in a couple of trials... Uh, with a squad that probably hasn 't played too much footy mm. he is smacks of a lot a lot of common sense a lot of rugby sense as well so well done to d c and uh it's um, it's it 's probably something you can do every year you know with uh with with the lack of a national rugby championship so uh yeah good 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 luck to him and uh, you know he's uh, he's uh, he 's put the flag in the ground and um, yeah part of it 's uh, to bring the shoot shield. Uh, along with uh, you know, along with the Waratahs. And that obviously increases your supporter base and it all goes from there. So the little things are important.
2: Yeah, I think it's so. De- it's, uh, sorry, Virgil. I was just going to jump in and say that, you know, he's definitely going to have to turn lemons into lemonade, isn't he, DC, in terms of a, a pre-season because there's going to be a lot of guys who wouldn't have played any rugby from, you know, for, from two months ago now. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, with the lack of an NRC, as well as you said, Casho, um, you just have to rethink your whole preseason and how you do it. So, a game against a Shoot Shield All Stars team is a really smart way of, you know, giving you guys some game time, uh, but also, you know, being able to get some of that IP into them um, and, um, and, and just do things a little bit differently. Mm.
1: One of the things the Queensland Reds did a number of years ago was they they actually ran uh, a competition where a spot in the wider squad was up to, uh, a, you know, a, a couple of people that were playing through the NRC. That's and right. It, it was a weekly thing that, you know, they sort of spoke of and it was uh, a bit of a media event and, you know, people were saying, Oh, listen, Joe Blogs deserves a spot, or Barry Barry Beef deserves a spot here, and all the that. The Ballymore sort of stuff. kid,
2: they called it the Ballymore kid, yeah. and it was Junior Laloifi who was the kid who ended up getting the the contract, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and,
1: and 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 so you know, this is a thing that uh, you know can give a bit of oxygen to uh, to a program that probably not a lot of people at this point in time, particularly with their. Uh, their record this year of uh, of not winning a game gives it a bit of oxygen and you know a bit of bit of relevance to be honest. So yeah, Swaney and Berjo, there's guys there in that in that Waratah squad that uh, uh, haven't played a hell of a lot of footy. Ben Donaldson, uh, Will Harrison, uh, Will Harris from East, and mm. varying other sort of guys there. But that, uh, that obviously we're looking to finish off the year with. Uh, with big campaigns in the Shirt Shield, and it just did not eventuate.
0: Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, what you said there before is whether DC can get the Sydney Rugby Fraternity, that's us, you know, uh, people like ourselves, uh, getting along to games, um, getting behind the Waratahs, a brand that's not really set well. With the Sydney Rugby Community, particularly that at the Shoot Shield, you know, for a while now. But you can't knock the Waratahs for investing in their own. You have got DC as coach. Pauliarsi's been appointed um, as the forwards coach. If we can get some great fixtures, if we can get some wins uh, on the board, um, you know, the fans want to want to want to see want to see good rugby. They want to see some wins. Um, I think Michael Hooper, you know, uh, confirmation that he's playing next to you is enormous. Um, for the Waratahs because he's by far and away the best player in the country. So let's just hope um, it can translate into 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 a bit of momentum. And uh, I think the draw is looking looking pretty good. So we we look forward to the Super Rugby season when that gets going, and it's going to be interesting preseason for DC to navigate. But uh, we'll leave the um, professional stuff there for the moment. Let's talk a little bit uh, in our neck of the woods. Um, our beloved Shoot Shield has. Uh, has been bombed out of the sky. Season's over. We cannot get on top of uh, the Delta variant that's just causing grief um, all around the world, and uh, the Shoot Shield's no different. Season um, was obviously announced a number of weeks ago that uh, it is no longer we'll launched straight back into 2022. There's no premieres. There's no there's no catchpole medalists. It's uh, first time we haven't completed a season since war times. It's obviously very very strange and. I guess it's still a bit of a feeling of numbness, although that numbness period is probably over now and, and people are starting to refocus on 2022. But uh, it's uh, it's strange times, Kesha.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. But I, I, I suppose in many ways the season had got to a point where they just had to make a call because it was just yeah. becoming far too difficult, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, in the background there, there was the... Uh, uh, the participation agreement things that were sort of going on there and yeah you know, clubs uh making their, their case and uh their points about uh what they could do uh, sort of like during next year and uh you know i i i think they just got to the point where where they decided that uh okay let's just uh uh call the jam off and uh we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about next year so but uh a, a, a fair amount of movement sort of happened since then, obviously, uh, uh, at this stage from what I'm hearing. Uh, uh, Penrith are, uh, are gone and I'm, I'm not too sure whether they're going to uh, uh, have any sort of legal sort of challenge there. Uh, dispensation to the Hunter Wildfires to field two teams and uh, a couple of Colts teams uh, and also the same for uh for uh, the Western Sydney Two Blues. So uh, a lot of promise there in terms of uh, the support that they're getting both from New South Wales and Rugby Australia. So we'll just have to see how those things sort of pan out. There's going to be a new coach at uh, at uh, the, the Two Blues. There'll be a new general manager. They're already advertising for those sort of things now. And uh, Berger, down your way, uh, uh, Matt McGoldrick's uh, resigned and. Uh, He's, uh, he's heading back into the workforce by the things.
0: Yeah, no, there are a few changes. We might, we might talk about those in a moment. I um, Just going back there on the comp structure uh, moving forward, um, the Penrith yo-yo mm-hmm. uh, has been an interesting one, Sweeney. I mean, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. There's been a lot of backlash around it again, unfortunately. Like, I think the rugby public... You know, they, they, they see the plight of Penrith and they see, I think they really feel like Sydney Rugby Union is an organisation that's, you know, funded and resourced by other people. But the reality is it's run by volunteers, all from their own clubs, working their absolute arse off to keep their clubs afloat. So it's a tricky thing to just say, oh, we just gave up on Penrith. It's um, there's a lot of pressure on everyone involved at Sydney Rugby to try and make Western Sydney Rugby viable, isn't it?
2: Mate, absolutely. Not a truer word spoken, Burjo. You know, I... I feel like we've had this discussion a few times now where, um, you know, you you guys have all been inside, you you particularly, Burjo, inside meetings with the presidents and things like that where, you know, and this is, I'm only sort of regurgitating what I've heard, but, you know, the the, the offer was always there. How can we help you? How can we help? How can we make you a better club? And, um, you know, the the answer coming back across was often, oh, we don't know. And mm, and that's course. a real shame, isn't it? It's a real mm. shame. And, and, you know, there's, uh, you know, that's, that's, there's a lot of burden on the rest of the, the competition and the rest of the clubs to come up with ways to, you know, help, help them. But, how is that their responsibility, you know? it's well, There's, it's there's really no funding.
0: I mean, there's no funding. No, that's that's true. There's just zero funding. So people don't understand that. They, they, we just could not meet the criteria to field a competitive side in one grade, let alone all four. Um, the problem is there's a rife disenchantment in the lower grades from other clubs are not getting enough regular footy because we've got clubs that can't field all the grades. So it's certainly not a case of an ivory tower decision just to turn the back on Western City Rugby Union. Uh, you know, obviously there's been more challenges around Western Sydney and it's great to see them back in the competition. Obviously it's a club that uh, may be a little bit further down the road than Penrith. But, you know, Phil Parsons, he's, I know he's got a good relationship with Penrith. He's invited back in the comp. Was it the right thing to bring them back in? I'm not sure. You know, at the end of the day, he's given them an opportunity to play more rugby. It hasn't worked again. I don't see them coming back into the shoot shield um, for a while now, I, I think they might just have to work their way up through, you know, sub districts, Kasia.
1: Well, you know, there's, you know, people talk about uh, you killing rugby in, in the west of Sydney. Well, if, if you look at some of the sub clubs out that way, you know, that's uh, that's a lot far from the case. That's and, it. Uh, that's it. You know, the Western Sydney Barbarians are uh, a bit of a force and, uh, you know, they, they they talk about these underage sides that are uh, playing out of Penrith RSL and varying other places like that. The game does exist out there. Obviously, there's, uh, there's a hell of a lot of competition, but uh, if you don't have the money to throw at... At a particular area like uh, you know the Penrith Rugby League, the NRL, the AFL, you know you, you can't just throw uh, good money uh, after bad, and you know unfortunately that's uh, that's probably been part of the problem out there. You know like they're they uh, they probably you know don't know how to run a an, an effective uh, rugby club, and you know the the teams that run well but have good coaching structures, the ones that uh, have done well over the past five, 10 years.
0: That's exactly right. It's it's brutally difficult to say sustainable, especially, you know, semi-pro environment. And it's becoming a challenge, not just for Western Sydney clubs, for all clubs. You know, I go back to that question, what is the shoot shield? Is it semi-pro? Is it amateur? It's this sort of murky thing. But As you said right there, Casho, some clubs that know exactly what they are, which is just a club based on sub-districts footy, based on participation, um, you know, not not the money flying through the game, that are very, very healthy. You know, look at clubs like, you know, Mossman, you know, uh, the clubs out in the West, there's there's plenty of them around, um, you know, in the sub-districts that are very, very strong clubs. I know clubs in my area, Forest, uh, even now Savers emerging, all through people that just want to play footy, um, at a park level, um, but they're becoming more sustainable, you know, because their outlay is not as much as a shoot shield club to say sustainable. So it's a challenge for the best of clubs, uh, but it's certainly become way too difficult. Clearly, um, for some of the lesser the have nots in the competition, and it, I just go back in, in defence of the SAU. It, it's a bloody difficult decision to make, but the reality is they don't they don't have the resources themselves to support them. What what can they do? It's a lose-lose. The,
1: the, the thing with. If you're an average shoot shield club, there you're you're dealing with a range of people. You've you've got your top end aspirational people who want to be challenged, who uh, yeah. who want to have a Zoom meeting on Monday nights to uh, sort out uh, you know w- whether they w- you know whether they're having an up and in defence or whether they drift or you yeah. know uh, scrummaging bits and pieces. And then at the other end are the, are the guys that are there Tuesday Thursday. Maybe a, a, another night after that, towards towards the back end of uh, mm. uh, the, the club, there in in third and third and fourth grade, and and then there's your cults, You know, you you, you need to get make those things attractive to the uh, not not only the kids coming out of school, but the parents of the kids that are coming out of school. So it's it's an interesting uh, egg, isn't it?
2: Well, you touched on it before, Bird, the frustration around. Um, the lower grades not, you know, not getting a game. What well, these guys are, are people who are paying full fees, you know. They're, they're, they're paying yep. their subs. Yep. They deserve games. And, and you know, if you go to a subbies club, I, I played for colleagues for a few years, you colleagues, know. Colleagues, yep. Huge, I knew, I knew every week that I was going to get a game, yep. um, you know, whether it was in, mm-hmm. you know, I only really played Jug Cup. Got, they've you got know. seven
0: grades, mate.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly right. So you just knew every week you're gonna get a you're gonna get a run, and and you're gonna have a good game of footy. It's gonna be fun, and you're gonna have. I would have a beer afterwards, and you're getting the same, absolutely the same satisfaction as a lot of those lower graders in Shoot Shield clubs are probably uh, getting.
0: That's the Um, challenge. Yep, that's the big challenge right now because there's a big divide between the top grades and. You know, the lower grades, particularly with COVID and the challenges in getting regular footy, it's sort of the, the, the what am I here for type mentality. So you need to get these clubs back to being all-encompassing clubs and it's been it's been bloody difficult. But as you see, it's, just, it's potentially a more sustainable model for the shoot shield. But, you know, we, what makes it great, what sets it on a pedestal is largely the professionalism of it, which which we all love and and the, and the stepping stone. We don't want to go away from that, but bringing all players of all levels along with us, uh, whether that's the model ongoing. You know, if you took the lower grades out of clubs, would they, would they be better for it if it was a first grade, second grade and Colts only? Um, because that's been a view for a long time. Some people have that view, a bit more of a, you know, UK or New Zealand system where you got a full match day 23 for a couple of high-performance grades you probably we, add
2: women in there too, Berger. Of course, add women's, of course
0: women's 15, which is now going to be an expectation. But is that a better, more sustainable model than four grades and three grades of Colts? But, you know, you go back to, you know, the clubs are clubs for meeting people of all walks of life, of all levels of rugby ability, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're melting pots for humans to come together as a community. So if you take away those elements, the clubs are drastically going to change. It becomes very sort of high-performance orientated. So it goes back again to that definition of, of what we are. So, you know, I, I'm probably looking too deep into it. And, you know, the comp's been been fantastic for a few years, but it's certainly COVID's brought up some of these some of these questions. We might just have a quick chat, Casho. I know there's been changes. You mentioned that earlier. I've, I'm hearing there's changes at Parramatta. Um, obviously, I know Craig Morgan stepped down. I think Joel Rivers may have as well. Eastern Suburbs with Paulie going into the Waratahs. I'm hearing there might be changes at Newcastle, Rats, Gordon, Uni, and Manly. Now that is anywhere from GM to to coach. Not saying all coaches have stepped down at all. I'm pretty sure most of those coaches I mentioned are, are still there. But uh, what are you hearing, mate, on the grapevine?
1: Well, just just off the top, Mark Gudmundson has stood down as uh, at West Harbour, and Joe Barracat, uh, very experienced coaches, sort of come in for a a, a bit of a second coming at uh, West Harbour. I think it's. For them, it's come at uh, very much the, uh, the the right time. Mm. And my club, Norse, that beer has been confirmed for uh, for another year. I think that was uh, uh, you know that was that was a very uh, very good arrangements for Norse because they have sort of swung between uh, coaches from year to year for yeah. a number of years. So it's uh, great for them to have a bit of stability there. Uh, as you mentioned, there at Manly, um, Matt McGoldrick Goldie's. Uh, uh, sort of moving on from there, and uh, you know, le- leaving that job up to uh, up, up to others. Uh, I had not heard the about movement at uh, Ringa but uh, you no, know, I don't. I, thought, I don't
0: think it's in the coaching ranks. I'm not sure if it's a GM or not, but um, I'd heard there may have been a change. Maybe that mail's wrong. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, but um, you know, like uh, probably not surprising that uh, at uh, the two blues that. Uh, you know they're uh, they're obviously looking for a bit of a clean slate there, particularly with the GM going and and uh, and, and all that sort of stuff. And you know one of the the thing you've got to, you've got to factor in here is the requirement for your shirt shield coach to be a full timer. And a lot of guys were uh, were doing it two or three days a week and uh, and uh, combining it with some form of employment. So that's probably not uh, not certainly possible. At this particular stage, so how
0: uh, soon does that criteria fall into place? As soon as twenty twenty two, or
1: that's uh, that's my understanding there. That's uh, that's my reading of the participation agreement. That uh, as of twenty twenty two, you've got to have a, a full time GM and a full time uh, first grade coach.
0: Hmm. Well, that's interesting, and I think I believe a women's fifteen quite quickly.
1: That's in uh, in twenty twenty three. So. Um, I'm sort of hearing too. There's a bit of a pushback from from some of the clubs about uh, uh, about whether they can actually do it by 2023. Obviously, you know you don't want to be coming up against uh, a powerhouse like Sydney Uni or or even the Rats. And I think the Manly uh, program is quite. Uh, is, is quite mature at this particular stage. So uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's very interesting to see how that one sort of pans out.
0: Well, here's the thing, right? Uh, we're all, you know, working hard to get teams on the field every year. You know, you set a strong criteria which has been set for a women's 15 team. So I think there has to be some assistance from, you know, everyone to try and work out how we get teams on the field. I know at Manly we've been running a sevens program which num- numbers are through the roof. Um, uh, I don't know if I could say this, but we probably don't have the profile of player for a tight five. We just, we just don't. So, if anyone can probably help, and, play, and, help clubs try and yeah. find props and things, because props are specialists. You can't have an inexperienced prop going in against you know some of the girls at Ringer and Union and, and Western Sydney. You're going to get you got some serious problems there. So, I, I think it's, I think it's all well and good to demand, um, you know, women's fifteen comp, but there's some significant challenges for. For all these clubs to get the right amount of players, although I will say there has been a huge appetite for women to play rugby.
1: Yeah, 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 and uh, you know, like uh, as, as you say, it's essentially a, a, a safety issue, mm. and you know, like you've uh, you, you've really got to make make what you offer, uh, you know, a, a safe endeavor, and and obviously in the early days, perhaps some of the fledgling clubs aren't aren't going to be able to. Uh, Offer up, uh, you know, as you say, a tight five. So, yeah,
2: it's uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of things to uh, sort of work through there. So, but given themselves twelve months, though, like that, yeah, the, there is there is an opportunity there to to build it, um, you know, and you know, as they say, and the greats build it and they will come.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh well, you know, there's not much footage to talk about, is there, boys? I'm just looking at the latter <laughs> from uh, from the season. Well, let's have a look. was your, your standout team? It's got to be Uni, doesn't it? Nine from nine. Um, huge point differential. They were uh, top of the class. it uh, be interesting there.
2: Yeah.
0: I know Sydney Uni, have a policy where everyone reapplies. They're probably the kind of club um, that can do that. But uh, Phil Blake obviously took over from Rob Taylor there. Northern Suburbs and East in there. Eastwood uh, will be disappointed the season came short, like all those teams in the hunt. Um, Ringer, Ringer, pretty good year. Gordon sort of bubbled away as well. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's way too early to tell what next year looks like. How do you, how are we even going to navigate a, a pre-season for some of these coaches? Because you've got to expect um, training lockdowns will continue, although might be exercising in groups or two. I think some of the teams um, throughout the lockdown waiting for the comp to see whether it restarted, maybe mastered some of that off-season training, Casher. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, and the and one of the other factors is uh, it appears as though the uh, the national sevens program is going to have its wings clipped to a certain extent. So a lot of those guys are going to be looking for a bit of footy. So perhaps that's going to um, tailor into playing for uh, shoot shield clubs, which which will you know give the competition you know a bit of. Uh, uh, a bit of gas, and you know, obviously a bit a, a bit of cred uh, there, you know, between uh, between some of the tournaments, you know, like uh, obviously international travel is going to be particularly hard. So maybe we're not going to have that uh, that full sort of seven season that we have in the past. But uh, obviously, drawing on uh, on on those people is going to be very very interesting.
0: Is that um is that just a byproduct of the financial position of of rugby Australia?
1: I think, uh, and Swanny, you can back me up here, I think, and uh, confirm is that uh, a lot of that funding, particularly for the women, is uh, is coming out of um, uh, metal funding from the past uh, uh, four years. Oh, and it, obviously, yeah, okay. the, uh, you know, the results have uh, come the way for the men's program over a couple of years. So, uh, mm. you know, that's, uh, that's yeah. where things drop away.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's... Um and so there's there's a, there's a there'll be a bit of a shortfall of cash there, I think, for Rugby Australia. And um, you know, I don't think the, I think one of the lines in one of their press releases, Rugby Australia, um, you know, when we saw those dramas on the way home, on the plane, oh yeah, uh, there was there was a line in the press release that said this will definitely have a an impact on uh, how we view the sevens program going forward, which was like a. I think that was a nice little backhander um, and a nice little sort of, I guess, a, a saving position from Rugby Australia to say, hey, we could probably cut your funding now. Um, well, I think
0: that's right. And obviously, by the way that the rugby players actually made comments in the press, unnamed, they clearly had the shits with maybe being told what their financial predicament was moving forward because you know, the, yeah. the, the, the I believe there were uh, other codes on there we're uh, very, <laughs> very tight-lipped, but uh, clearly model citizens on the plane. I think not.
2: Yeah, that's right. I, you know, I don't think. Uh, I think rugby cop the blame for a fairly, yeah. um, a fairly shared uh, situation among a few different Olympic teams. Put it that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well, um, I've got not much else to talk about. Um, it's pretty boring this lockdown stuff, but I'm just gla- <laughs> just just glad we can uh, enjoy the footy this weekend. Hopefully we can all um, grab a beer soon and uh, oh we might be out of a picnic, a shoot cast picnic.
2: You got any tips boys? so tips what what are we tipping? we're gonna it's got UQ and Jeeps in the grand final of the hospital's cup up there in Brisbane.
0: No idea.
2: Jeep. Jeeps. <laughs> well, UQ Jeeps were, UQ are the Jeeps, best team. Did
0: Jeeps kick the ball, uh kick the goal after the bell? Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was pretty good. Um talking um, of, talking of Queensland yeah. halfbacks, uh, Tate McDermott, I, I said I said it all shoot cast, he should have been the starting halfback from the get go. He's he's just looked like <laughs> a mate. I mean, we we all watch Jake Gordon play and he's a top player, but it's just obviously that, that decision to start him ahead of Tate has been mind-boggling. Thankfully, Tate has come into the position and he's just looked like an absolute gun, has he? And he looks like a test test star in the making, casher
1: Yeah, very much so. You know, you, you like the work that he does too, the, the ball in two hands oh. and uh, and obviously uh, attracting a bit of the defence, you know, around pillar and post and all that sort of stuff. And it just frees up some of the bigger guys that... Uh, yep that can, uh, can do a bit of bit of the run, uh, do, do some
2: of that uh, that sort of hard yakker. A lot uh, yeah. of the criticism around Tate McDermott has yeah. been, he, you know, his basics of the game let him down, like his pass and his kicking. But I would tell you what, he must have worked on it really hard in a... Wallaby camp because yeah. they've actually been spot on and brilliant.
0: we just got to nail down the key positions in the back line, 10, 12, 15, because Banks has been bit higgledy-piggledy, Lalesio, I think's come on a bit. Unfortunately, O'Connor's injury's been really disappointing. I think I'm done with Tamua. sorry, I just I don't know. He's a he's always been a great player, but he just I I don't know. I think someone just needs to nail down that twelve position.
2: Um, yeah, we're not going to see Hunter Paisami this week. He's back in Queensland with his partner, uh, who's about to give birth. So I well Tamua's the the incumbent. I, I actually think. You, why wouldn't you throw Samu Karevi in there, who's been with the squad now for a couple of weeks? Bloody earth. Um, he's back from Japan. He, he qualifies under that Gito law yeah. or under the the, the sort of – you can bring a, two players back from overseas yeah. who, who haven't got the caps. Yeah. He qualifies. I'd use him.
0: Oh, I don't think New Zealand would, would... – wouldn't like to see Karevi count. I mean, I think they'd prefer Tottenham Moore's start. But, yeah, get Karevi on and maybe bring Matt more on. I, I don't know. But
1: uh, anyway. And, uh, and from, from what I'm hearing, he's uh, he's come back a more complete footballer than he was uh, when when he went to Suntory. So putting in a lot of work in other areas of the game where he was probably a, a bit deficient.
0: Very good. All right, boys, we'll leave it at that. Go the Wallabies and um, we'll have a chat. I don't know, somewhere down the track, maybe somewhere. Let's <laughs> just see how many people listen to this podcast. If it's less than five, uh, we, we won't continue. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. good. Thanks, boys. Hurry. Right. <laughs>